today we're living in a world where there's more and more antagonism, there's more and more division, there's more and more idea of my differences with the other and so on. So part of the responsibility of our engagement with urban development and urbanization is to say that space and the spaces of our cities or the spaces of the urban must make a contribution to a level of social betterment, a level of healing, and a provision of the kinds of spaces that we can call spatially democratic. From the Harvard Graduate School of Design, this is Future of the American City, conversations on how we live where we live. I'm Charles Waldheim. We're here today with Moisin Mustafavi, architect, educator, whose work is focused on questions of the urban for the past several decades. Moisin joins us today to discuss his conception of the future of the American city. Moisin, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Charles. It's great to be here. Moisin, under your leadership, the Harvard Graduate School of Design has recently launched the Future of the American City initiative. This is a research project looking at cities across the United States and beginning with Miami. I'm interested to know why the American city as a particular focus. Why is this an important topic for research at the GSD? As you know, at the GSD, we've been working on cities, on questions of urbanization for quite some time. And one of the things that's been the center of our attention, especially for the last few years, is how do we focus our work, our energies, as much on the American city as we've been doing around the world? And one of the exciting things is that um, we didn't think about the American city because we wanted to only come back to the U.S. and be more local. We came to the U.S. and focused on the American city precisely because we wanted to be more worldly. And we saw the future of the American city as being very much linked to questions of urban development and urbanization across the globe. Therefore, I think there is something very exciting to really think about the future of the American uh, city in the context of this worldliness. So why is now the time to focus on the study of the American city? There are lots of reasons. One of the things with the American city is that it seems to be, in many instances, without certain central bodies, central organizations that can take responsibility for the way in which they're shaped. Uh, we're used to seeing our cities evolve primarily as a result of real estate development. And uh, that has uh, ended up producing sometimes very exciting projects. But to really think about the American city in a more holistic fashion that combines uh, private development with, uh, with public development, joining the thought leaders of different cities with developers, and to try and really think in a more integrated and holistic way, I think that this is, this is very important. But of course, we've also been very concerned about questions of inequity, issues of climate change. Uh, the importance of, of infrastructure and mobility as elements of a different kind of spatial democracy. And I think the combination of all of these issues gives our project a kind of urgency to really try to make a different kind of uh, contribution to the future of the American city and the way in which it can be shaped, the way that it can be better, the way that it can really produce much more equitable spaces for the citizens of, of our cities. 
this suggests in your mind that there are certain um, commonalities, there are certain characteristics about the American city that are coherent enough and generalizable enough to be able to be spoken of. You mentioned on the one hand, policy and private capital as among them. You talk about questions of identity and authority. Within that, what are the central challenges that you see relative to questions of governance? I think one of the key things that I've discovered is that it's often very difficult to actually find a situation where you can bring all the people responsible for governance together. When we're dealing with urban territories, often the boundaries are not so clear. Uh, the boundaries of, uh, of our cities are becoming more and more porous. The concept of uh, bringing governance and modes of decision-making as a key critical component of, of planning uh, seems to be absolutely crucial, as important as these integrated or common visions or plans are, is really finding ways in which you could deal with questions of implementation. So part of the challenge is both to understand the needs of a local community, to be able to respond to those needs, to have the vision, to then produce projects that are not all centrally funded, that they can be a combination of uh, support from central government agencies as well as private developers. So you're suggesting that simply governance or policy are insufficient to relate local needs to private capital. And in your own work, you've clearly articulated that imagining the future of the city is really a work that depends upon image making fundamentally. And so I'm interested to know, in your mind, thinking about the future of the American city in particular, who's authorized to make those images? Who, whose images are they? Who, who authorizes that work? I think when you talk about images, it's important that but we don't think about them purely as images in the visual sense. For me, it's been always very important to have in a way, the story, the history of different cities understood also as a, a multiplicity of forms of narration. Uh, images of cities are also reflections that we might encounter in our mind's eye. And therefore, those, those images can be constructed in the form of storytelling, uh, what kind of life one imagines in Los Angeles, what kind of life one imagines in Boston, what kind of life one imagines in Detroit. These are also part of the way in which we, we think in a more projective way. We think in terms of what if, what if we could do this? What if this condition uh, could occur? And I think that then these speculative uh, forms of imagining things, speculative forms of narration, also have their equivalence in images, in the construction of potential places that could then be uh, the possibility for a particular neighborhood or a particular part of the city or a particular uh, element of infrastructure that could, um, could contribute to the betterment of, of connections between different parts or new kinds of uh, public space. I mean, you're reminding me that, um, of course, we're, we're in a culture that's um, in some ways, you know, inundated with images of the city. And what you're suggesting is that those images are not neutral. They speak on our behalf. Absolutely. And I think if you, if, I mean, maybe this will sound a little bit too uh, philosophical in, in some sense, but I think it's, it's important to, for us to be able to think equally 
on uh, behalf of a plurality of inhabitants of the city, not only as a particular sector or, or, or group, but really the multiplicity of the citizens of a city. So I think the question of what are our expectations, what are the sort of value systems that we have, all of those things within reason they have to be part of this debate. And I would argue that we need to attend much more to the aesthetics of our cities, to the way that they appear, to the quality of life that our cities are, are, are constructing, as well as to the kind of overall you know, well-being or, or economic model for development as well. A part of what you're pointing to is the um, uneven distribution of resources, but also the uneven distribution of incentives as well. The relationship between risk and incentive in our particular political economy is one that's uh, challenging in terms of thinking about the city more collectively. In that sense, it strikes me, and I wonder if you'd agree with this um, sentiment, that when we talk about the future of the city, it seems these days that we're either immediately talking about um, political economy governance, policy, if we had the right reform, if we had the right mayor, if we could overturn our particular paradigm on the one hand, or it's immediately every urban project is a singularity. It's the Olympic bid. It's Hudson Yards. It's this developer is attached. This architect is associated. And it strikes me that, there, that there's a kind of void, a kind of a vacuity in our ability to talk about the city as a space of collective outcomes. I think that that's a very important observation uh, because in a way it also talks about the necessity of pragmatism, of simultaneously having a vision, but at the same time being able to be pragmatic in terms of realizing that you actually need the support and participation of developers, you need the support and engagement of the local community, you need the political leaders to be part of this, and therefore part of the role of the designer in this new environment is not simply to be the service provider of the plan, but to be both the visionary uh, as well as the person in some ways that brings the different parties to the table and tries to uh, create, essentially, a much more integrated, collaborative endeavor, which is really the, the necessary basis for realizing some of these projects that we are discussing. So we really need to be thinking uh, much more holistically, and I think in terms of sort of larger visions for the transformation of our cities, uh, rather than leaving it solely to, to piecemeal development. So I think there is a fundamental challenge also. How do you combine basically bigger visions with methods or systems of, of implementation? And I think combining essentially design with uh, the economics of implementation, with the political realities of public spaces, these kinds of combinatory uh, ways of, of thinking are very important for the future of the American city, where there seems to be such a key reliance purely on private investment. So in announcing this um, Future of the American City initiative, you've mentioned Miami as the first uh, city to focus on. Why Miami? I think Miami is super exciting for a variety of reasons. You know, there are a number of people who are really committed to the city. They want to do things. And it's been really an incredible um, privilege for us to get to know uh, some of these people 
like uh, Craig Robbins and Jackie Sofer and uh, Stuart Miller and David Martin and a number of others. Um, um, so it's a very long list. And we've all been together trying to do a number of exercises where we've really learned about the city and feel confident that then we know enough about um, some of the specifics and some of the opportunities that, that exist. So I think this experience of a city that has been growing very fast, but also the emphasis has been a lot on high-end types of uh, development, especially in South Beach and all, all, all places that have been very important to a kind of tourist economy. And I think a key part of what um, has been important for us is to really focus much more on the local economy and to really address the kind of inequities that exist for the people who uh, live in Miami uh, 12 months of the year, who really contribute to the life of Miami and uh, therefore, we are really concentrating on areas where the price of land has not escalated, and of course, everywhere has, but at least we try to find certain level of affordability in terms of the housing market. It also is a city that exemplifies in some ways the extremity of our exposure to climate, right? I mean, Miami is arguably the city in the United States that's the most vulnerable to anthropogenic climate change, storm events, sea level rise. There's water in the streets on a regular basis. Uh, the combination of uh, housing prices and commuting times is uh, amongst the worst in North America. Right. And I think in that sense, you see, there is a similarity now to L.A., even though the conditions are very different, just the time that it takes. Uh, so part of uh, thinking about the future of Miami is not only thinking about local environments, local neighborhoods that uh, enable affordability, but to actually figure out mobility as a means of accessibility. And therefore, mobility is also uh, a, an absolutely necessary condition for creating more affordable housing, for example, in the future. But in addition to these, just affordability, housing and infrastructure don't also make a city, don't make a, a really vibrant urban environment. Part of the way in which we work across the various disciplines is really to think about new forms of public space, the way in which citizens interact, and where are their jobs, and what is the proximity between spaces of work, spaces of leisure, spaces of habitation. And MAMI has been really a fruitful um, place for us to explore these ideas and to also find a very receptive community. And hopefully in the next few years, we'll be able to have a significant impact in relation to future developments. Because surely, if we are also doing these projects and 20 or 30 local developers are also aware of the work that we are doing, we're very much hopeful that we will also be able to inspire and influence them as well. It's a consistent theme across your work on the, on the city, certainly over the course of the last decade, that we have to, in some ways, become comfortable with the fact that we won't all agree. And in spite of that disagreement, make a space for discussion and debate in which collective outcomes might be possible. So in the context of the future of the American city in this new initiative, how do you imagine disagreement or debate informing that work? Today, we're living in a world where there's more and more antagonism, there's more and more division, there's more and more idea of my differences with the other, and so on. So part of the responsibility of our engagement with 
urban development and urbanization is to say that space and the spaces of our cities or the spaces of the urban must make a contribution to a level of social betterment, a level of healing, and a provision of the kinds of spaces that we can call spatially democratic. So all of that means the question of our differences are not simply economic, but they're also manifested in terms of the kind of spaces that we inhabit. At the same time, we should not get ourselves that we are going to create a completely um, you know, smooth space or environment of consensus. It's very important for the built environment, it's very important for our cities to actually enable the possibility of people presenting, occupying different positions, but also to do it in a way that doesn't simply exclude the other. Therefore, when we think about our cities, we mustn't really create this homogeneous environments where everything looks the same. And I think part of the work is to come up with a different way of thinking about urbanization that is, is of course, still trying to create uh, images of and, and construct places, uh, but it's not producing a singular image of a community of consensus, but actually it's much more pluralistic in terms of its, uh, its aspirations. And that is really a key part of the, whatever we do with urban development in the years to come. So in, in thinking of this new role for the designer, the convener of conversation who has the capacity to both imagine and produce spaces of debate, disagreement, does this suggest a different way to think about the education of the architect? Absolutely, because the education of the architect has been either based on the understanding of the discipline in terms of its formal methods or the understanding of its social ideals. We have to accept the responsibility that our role as designers is deeply connected to politics, to the political, and therefore what we are doing uh, in terms of our projects, whether it's a public park or whether it's a planning project or whether it's a housing scheme, they have political consequences and they have political manifestations. In this model, I think architects and landscape architects and planners and, and urbanists, they're actually simultaneously citizens, simultaneously clients, and the, the people who are imagining projects that are not just simply plans. There are also projects that involve interactions with local communities, participation in meetings, participation in uh, conversations with people responsible for these cities. And therefore, the role of the designer is very different than how we have been imagining the role of the designer in the past. We need to be much more proactive. It's a really activist project of engaging with cities. And I think that makes it really vital that the school is not just in the business of imagining, but also dealing with uh, ways in which implementation can occur. Mm. This um, work that you describe as uh, activist on behalf of the designer, is that a new role for the academy? Is that a new role for the GSD, do you imagine? 
Historically, in many instances, the academy has been focused on on education, and in a way, um, it's been often very internalized. Of course, the GSD has a reputation of being an international school. We brought many people to the school, but I think it is um, it is more recent for the academy to not only be producing uh, visions, images, but to actually participate more. Uh, proactively in the way in which visions can be realized. So what does that suggest for the relationship uh, between the design disciplines that have traditionally been professionally represented at the school? I think it means that uh, the design disciplines need to be much more collaborative. They need to work across different uh, disciplines. They need to talk to each other. They uh, need to recognize that the urban, the built environment is not the property, it's not uh, doesn't belong to only one discipline, but actually it requires the multiplicity of disciplines to work together and utilize the knowledge that is there to try and uh, bring all these different uh, expertise and uh, the different kinds of imagination that exist in order to respond to the conditions that are facing our cities and the built environment. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. You've been listening to Future of the American City, curated by the Office for Urbanization at the Harvard Graduate School of Design. This conversation was supported by the Knight Foundation and the generous donors to the American Cities Fund. Our producers are Aziz Barber, Charlie Gilliard, and Mercedes Peralta. Music is by Kevin Graham, and Jeffrey Vallade is our recording engineer. To learn more, visit votac.gsd.harvard.edu.